Um, man, I just was emotional backstage because here's, here's why I'm a little emotional. My name's Ben, by the way, if we haven't met. Um, I get to be on my TLR team. And that song, what we just sang, is what my heart needed before I walked out here. Because <laughs> no matter, I, I know it's like a stage and it's a platform, but man, my heart just needs to remember that I am a child. I am a son of God. And so, man, thanks for worshiping with us. Um, before I get into my message, I, I just want to uh, share with you something real quick that we're really excited about as a TLR team, and that's about next Wednesday, March 2nd. Next Wednesday, March 2nd, we are having a night of worship here at Woodstock City Church. And the cool thing about this night of worship is we are asking TLR, we are asking our TLR family to lead the way at this night of worship. And so we're, we've never done a night of worship on Wednesday nights before because you guys are, the, the space is for you. The space is for you on Wednesday nights. But as a church, we want to give our church an opportunity to have you guys lead out when we have this night of worship. And so here's what that looks like for you very practically. Um, it's going to be, um, we're going to be singing a lot. Um, it's going to, uh, Sam, our lead pastor, is going to be giving a devotional. Um, it's going to be a really incredible time. We hope you're here. Um, but for you, when it comes to TLR, it's going to look very similar. Um, we're going to have dinner for you at 7 o'clock. we got Chick-fil-A. Um, it's going to be in the attic instead of in the hallway because there's going to be a lot more people here. Um, so, uh, but there'll still be dinner for you at 7 o'clock. At 7.30, the service will still start. Um, we will have uh, these first little rows right here. Um, I don't know how far back we'll go because there's a lot of you here, but we'll have these first couple rows reserved just for TLR students because, again, we want you guys to model the way and lead the way for our church and worship and the passion and the energy that you bring during that time is special, and we want our church to see that. And so we encourage you to sit up front if you can find a seat, um, and we'll have a service like normal. If you have a small group, if you're in a starting point group, we're still going to be doing that after the service. It'll still end around the same time. But hey, you don't want to miss next week. It's going to be a really, really special night, um, and we're sort of kicking off this season as we lead up to Easter in a really special way. So don't miss Night of Worship next Wednesday, March 2nd. Cool? Awesome. Well, um, we are in this series um, called Struggle Bus, Struggle Bus, and um, before I get into my message real quick, I just need to know, hey, where are like the car riders at? Like when you were in middle school and high school, you were a car rider. Show of hands. Just show of hands. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's sort of looking at you in envy, you know, rolling up in your dad's Lexus, BMW, right? Like uh, subwoofer going. Yeah. I'm envious of you. That was not me. Uh, now you know this is coming. Where are the bus riders at? Where? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Yes. I was a bus rider through and through the big yellow cheese. Um, yeah, I feel like I lived a lot of life. I grew up a lot on the school bus going to, to middle school and high school. Um, in fact, there was times where I literally felt like I was on the struggle bus when I was um, growing up in middle school and high school. But uh, yeah, but bus riders, you guys, you guys are my people. But here, here's the deal when it comes to the struggle bus. And Samer kicked this off last week. Um, and if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, go back on YouTube, listen to it later. But here's what I know about the struggle bus is um, you're either on the struggle bus, you're, you just got off the struggle bus, or you're about to get on the struggle bus. We're all somewhere when it comes to the struggle bus in one of those three places. And personally, personally, I feel like I'm sort of in a stage of life, in a season of life where I, I feel like I'm on the struggle bus to a degree. Um, see, personally, um, I've got a lot going on in my life. You know, I, I, I have a family, um, which you'll get to see in a second. Um, I've got a full-time job here at TLR, and I love it. Um, but also right now, personally, outside of those two things, personally, I'm in grad school right now. 
I'm, I'm in seminary, which is basically grad school for people who want to do ministry. And, and doing seminary right now in my life looks like, hey, every weeknight for the most part, I'm spending two, three, four hours a night after I put my girls down from like 7 o'clock to like 10, 11 o'clock at night studying and reading and writing. And it's just, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. I feel like I don't get as much sleep um, as I want, and, and there's a lot of assignments that are constantly in my head that I'm trying to figure out. So personally, that's going on. Professionally, again, like I get to work here, and I love working here. And Woodstock City is an amazing church, and you guys are all unbelievably blessed to have a place like Woodstock City and a place like TLR to get to come to um, and grow in your faith. Um, but ministry can be just really exhausting at times. There's, a, there's just something about ministry that can be really demanding from you when you're, you're, you're helping people walk in their faith, you're potentially having some like hard conversations where some messy conversations, and it can just be really hard emotionally to work at a church. But I mean, like every, every job has something like that, right? But then, but then relationally, um, relationally, I've got uh, two little girls. Um, in fact, here's a picture of them right here. Um, yep, these are my girls. Uh, this is from Valentine's Day last week. Um, this is my uh, almost four-year-old. She's actually turning four next uh, Wednesday, March 2nd. Um, so if you want to sing happy birthday to her at night of worship, go for it. She won't be there. She'll be in bed. But, um, but yeah, so this is my almost four-year-old daughter, Skylar, and this is my little munchkin, Amelia. Um, and she's almost, she's almost two. And while I absolutely adore these girls, I mean, how could you not? Look, like, look at them. They're, um, they're just so cute. I just want to, uh, you know. Um, but... But while I absolutely adore these girls, they are exhausting, exhausting. I mean, I have to come home from work, and I'm already, you know, if I had a long day, I just want to spend time with them because, you know, I don't get to see them during the week, and I have to sort of put it into overdrive because, like, I just want to hang out with them. And, and, and you know, trying to raise two little girls, trying to raise any kids in general, it's just, it's just hard work. And then I have, you know, my wife, relationship, I have my wife, who, uh, my wife, Madeline, who we've been married for 10 years, coming up in May, which is awesome, and we, like, we're really pumped about it. Oh, thank you, thank you, yeah. Uh, but 10 years, 10 years with someone, 10 years married to someone, is, is a lot. And, and the amount of relational capital we have with each other and, and how we, um, you know, we're still figuring each other out, and it's, it's going to be a lifetime of that. But, you know, I want to give my wife, Madeline, my absolute best, but sometimes I, I give her my worst. I mean, she, see, she has seen me at my absolute worst. And, and so life for us, is just, and my, me and my family, is just pretty crazy right now. You see, the struggle bus, the struggle bus is real, and if you're not on it right now or you haven't experienced it, I can tell you firsthand, I get it. I'm on the struggle bus, okay? The struggle bus is real. And last week, Samer did a great job of unpacking this idea of a struggle bus, and it's sort of one of those things where there's not like a definition for the struggle bus, but the way that we're defining it for the sake of the series is this. It's just like when something just feels off. It's just like you're walking around and you're just like not yourself. There's something just deep down that's off. And, and what we said last week is that that's our souls. Like there's something deep down inside of us when we're riding the struggle bus or when we feel like we're on the struggle bus where our souls just feel, feel weary and tired. And that's where we're going for the next couple of weeks or for, for, for tonight. You see, when, when we're in these seasons of struggling, when we, when we feel like we're weighed down by life, there's a good chance you're going to feel one of these three things right here or all of them. The first one is this, stressed out. I mean, amen, right? Like all of us are like, yeah, I have felt stressed out. I am stressed out right now, right? 
But, and here's the deal. I, I wanted to say something real quick just to normalize this. Hey, being stressed out, like, there's a normal part of that. There's a normal part of that. It's a good thing. In fact, your body, your body, the reason why you get stressed out is because it's your body's opportunity to protect you from harm, okay? Quick little science lesson, quick little science lesson. I'm not a scientist, but in preparing for this message, I feel like a scientist from stress, right? But this is very scratch the surface. When it comes to stress, the re- what happens is when your body, when you are physically in an environmental or psychological situation where your body needs to protect itself, it, it releases hormones. So for example, in an environmental setting, right? If there's an environmental stress that your body needs to respond to, what happens is your brain releases a hormone to your body and that hormone causes your heart to beat faster. It causes your breathing to increase, to get more oxygen to your blood. And your blood sugar goes up so you have more energy. You see, those environmental things are like, uh, you know, with finals week, or you guys have midterms, a lot of you guys have midterms coming up. Like midterms week, there's, there's a, something environmentally that's causing you f- to feel stress. And that's a good thing, right? Because none of us want to fail. It's a good thing for your body to do that. You know, another example of this would be like if you're out in the woods camping and you get chased by a bear, right? Like your body needs to respond and send you into overdrive so you can run as fast away from that bear as you possibly can. Side note, you will not run, I'll run a bear. They're a lot faster than you. So I wouldn't know that, just seen movies, right? But so there's these environmental factors, but there's also psychological factors, right? There's something like for some of you like upperclassmen, you're thinking about like, I don't know what's next. Like I'm graduating in May and I don't have an internship lined up. I don't have a job lined up. I don't know what I'm going to do. There's these, this something in the back of your head that's causing you to worry. And that's an okay thing for you to feel stress about to a degree. There's also things like relational just conflict, right? Where you, like, you had a fight with your roommate or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your, your mom or your dad or whoever it is. And just you keep replaying this conversation over and over and over and and over and over again about how it could have gone different, how you need to apologize, how they need to apologize, let's be real, right? Like there's this psychological response, but you're trying to make it right. Your body's trying to figure it out. And and for some of you, it might be grief. Grief is a psychological thing that happens in our life that causes you to feel stress. But the problem with that, with the problem with the stress, being stressed out, is when we live a life that's stressed out, it begins to take a toll on us. When day in and day out, you're just constantly in this, your body is in overdrive. It begins to take a toll on you. And that's where we're going with this idea of the struggle bus. The second thing you might feel if you're on the struggle bus is this, burned out. Burned out. I felt like I was this way a couple years ago with my job. But here's what burned out means. Burned out is basically you're in this constant state of stress that it just never ends. And what happens, and going back to the whole science thing and the hormones and all that kind of stuff, so there's a hormone that causes you to feel stress, but there's also a hormone that causes you to sort of calm down. And what happens is when we constantly feel, it, feel that stress, when we are constantly putting ourselves in stressful situations or we're allowing things to feel stress and we never come down, what happens is it's like the, this hormone that is your body's response is basically like a, it's, it's like a break in a car, Okay. It's like a break in a car. It's, it's to allow your body to recover. And when you never experience that, what happens is basically like you are pushing the gas pedal and you're trying to go 80 miles per hour, but you're stuck in park. And what's going to eventually happen to that car? It's going to run out of gas. And it's not going to go anywhere. And we feel burned out. And what happens when we feel burned out is we, we start getting agitated really easily. We start 
being frustrated by really small things. I mean, we all have that roommate, right, where it's just like you say that you, like, leave one dish out and they just flip out, right? We all, yeah. That was Samer, by the way, when I was in college. We were roommates. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. It was him. But we get frustrated by small things, right? We have trouble sleeping at night because we're constantly in this place of stress and it just, it just burns us out. And, and a lot of this is because we feel this, this last one right here. We feel timed out. Now, that's sort of a weird phrase, doesn't really match all the and, and I don't mean timed out like, you know, like when my daughter pushes my other daughter like down the stairs. Um, uh, sorry, not down the stairs, that's never happened before. When my daughter pushes her down when she's trying to walk. And I have to say, Skylar, it's time to go to timeout. I'm not talking about that kind of timeout. I'm talking about this, where you physically feel like you're just out of time. And I feel like in conversations I've had with college students, the way that I felt when I was in college, I felt this all the time, that I just had no time at all. I was so busy. Every day is loaded, right? Like, first of all, you're a full-time student, right? And you're, or, or you're maybe even more of a full-time student. You're a full-time student plus, and you're taking like 16, 17, 18 hours. And so there's always something to study for. There's always an assignment due. There's always a group project that you're working on all by yourself because group projects are literally the worst thing ever, right? But, but add on to that, add on to that, like, hey, you've got bills to pay. You've got rent to pay for. And so maybe you get a part-time job or a full-time job. I don't know. And, and you, you need to get some cash to like pay for groceries. But let's be real, you're not buying groceries. You're not buying groceries. There's no time to fix your meal at home, right? Like you're buying, what, you're, you have a job because, so you can go to your favorite fast food restaurant, Chick-fil-A, Chipotle, Moe's, whatever, so you can eat on the go because you don't have any time to cook in your apartment, right? So, so you have school and then you have a, this job and then you have like, you want, you, people were saying like, hey, college is gonna be the, best four, five, six years of your life. And part of that is the social dynamic. And so you're like, when am I gonna hang out with my friends? My roommates say they never see me. I wanna hang out with them. And then you add on like a boyfriend or a girlfriend. When are you gonna do date night, right? And there's resumes to write, internships to apply for. I mean, it just adds up. And we live in this life of busyness. And we just get to the point where we're like, how do we do it all? How do we do it all? And so all these things, being stressed out, burned out, timed out, these sort of define us being on the struggle bus. And what it leads to, what it leads to is a soul that's weary, a soul that's depleted. And, and what that leads to is this, some behaviors like this, chill out. Now, when you first look at chill out, you're probably thinking like, what's the big deal in chilling out? And I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think there's a big deal in chilling out. Like, I think, again, going back to your body, your body is meant to slow down and to rest and recover. You are meant to get eight hours of sleep a night. You are meant to, like, if you have a long week coming home and just vegging out for a little bit, that's okay. But what I want to sort of unpack here is when, when this gets unhealthy, when this gets unhealthy, for example, and you guys have all been here, I've been here, I get it. You hop on, you get, you've had a rough week or whatever, and the way you respond is you, you hop on Netflix or whatever streaming service you love. And we, you binge watch a show, which not no big deal, right? But when that becomes, you binge watch a show every single night, that's starting to get a little unhealthy. 
another way that this might, you know, chilling out might become unhealthy is, um, you know, you're, you're getting in bed at night and you're thinking, hey, I'm just going to relax, I'm going to unwind, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to get a good night's rest and, and just, I've had a hard day and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start scrolling through TikTok. <laughs> yeah, you know. And you're like, you know, just 15 minutes, I'll fall asleep, right? I've got my sound machine on, it's nice and quiet in here. But then you start scrolling through TikTok. 15 minutes turns into 30, turns into an hour, turns into two hours, turns into three hours. Uh, some of you guys, it's like, you keep going, right? But I'll stop. I don't want to make you feel bad. I don't want to. But you're scrolling through TikTok and, you, and you're like, hey, I got in bed at like 10.30 and it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, where did that good sleep go? We were scrolling on TikTok. You were just trying to chill out. That's all you were trying to do. This other one, this next one, is, is a little bit more serious. But for some of you, this is why, like, the weekend, you look so, you, you're so looking forward to the weekends because you know that um, on Friday night or Saturday night, there's a party or you're hanging out with some friends, whatever, there's going to be alcohol, there's going to be weed, whatever substance, you know, you want to fill in the blank. But you've had a hard week or hard, you're in a hard season, you're feeling those stressed out, burned out, all that kind of stuff, and you're like, hey, I can't wait to chill this weekend. So you go and you drink and you smoke or whatever you do. Wake up the next morning, don't really remember whatever happened the night before. And you're thinking like, hey, that, that was to chill out. But hey, I wanna just say something. Like, I, I don't think that's chilling out. I think what you're doing is you're numbing the struggle that's happening in your life. You're numbing the struggle that's happening. You're numbing the, what you're experiencing. You're numbing the so, your soul that's experiencing all this weariness and burden. So you think you're chilling out, but it's actually not healthy. The second thing that this can happen when we're on the struggle bus for too long is this. We space out. And what I mean by space out is this. When, when my soul, when your souls, when our souls are, are not at rest and they're scattered, what it leads to is this idea of being spaced out and just not being in the moment. Another way I thought about this was like, it's sort of like when you're in a brain fog, right? Like you're there, but you're not really there. Like you have that conversation with that friend, you know, you're sitting at, uh, you know, you're sitting at uh, Tinto's Coffee. I love that place, by the way, right across the street from KSU. But you're sitting with them, you're trying to have a conversation with them, they're sort of staring off the distance, and like 10 minutes later, they're like, wait, what? Right? They sort of look at you. They're just sort of spaced out, like they're not there. Like when we experience these, these, our soul, and, it needs, and it's burdened, and it's, um, and it's overwhelmed, and, and when we're experiencing that, we can... Just not be present. You know, I had an interesting conversation with my counselor about this a couple months ago. Um, and I told him, I, I said, hey, man, is there anything, I, I feel like I have a really, I do a really bad job remembering things. Like my memory is like shot or something, right? And I'm like, is this something to be concerned about? You know, I'm asking him this, all these questions. Because like, you know, when I'm hanging out with my friends or I'm hanging out with um, my wife, whatever, they'll, they'll bring up these um, fun Memories that they have, like we're, and, and they remember them like vividly, right? Like they remember where we were, what was on TV, what we were listening to, whatever. And I just feel like I struggle, I struggle to like go there with them. Like I feel like my memory is not completely there. And he said something interesting to me. He said, he said, did you know that your emotions are tied to your memory? I was like, no, that's why I'm here. I asked you the question, right? He said, the stronger emotions you feel in a certain event, 
the stronger your memory is going to be tied to it. And, you know, I'm starting to track with him. And he, he sort of looks at me and he says, hey, so, like, do you feel like you're feeling your emotions in the moment? <laughs> to which I'm like, you're about to feel the emotion of anger, right? Like, back off, bro. <laughs> but no, as I really, like, started thinking about it, I started tracking with where he was going. And, and I can remember, I don't remember much, but I remember, I can look back at the season of my life and see where I was overwhelmed. I can see where I was stressed out. And I can see that that caused me to just shut off emotionally. And it affected my memory, right? It's because I wasn't dealing with this idea of being on the struggle bus in a healthy way. The, the last one is this, is we check out. And honestly, I think this is the most dangerous one. You see, when our souls get so tired and weary and we don't, we don't figure it out, we don't start to take steps to, to figure out how, why that is the case, and we start doing some of these behaviors, we eventually get to a place where our souls just experience apathy. And basically what apathy is, you're just not caring anymore. And some of you might be that way in this room. Like, you just don't care. And nothing anyone says, nothing you read, nothing you listen to, not hearing me say it, like, no one... No one is going to change your mind because the hole that you've dug yourself to be in or that someone puts you in, you just can't get out. And you just don't care anymore. And you start to feel these feelings of hopelessness and angst and like, what's, what, why is it worth it? In, in preparing for this talk, I was interested just to see, um, you know, the last couple of years have been pretty crazy um, if you've been living, right? And... Um, I look back and I just want to see sort of some statistics and, and, and see if any research had been done about this, which it has. And I found um, this one specific one from a medical journal called The Lancet Report. And it's this like well-known global journal, medical journal. Um, and they did a study. And in 2020, in 2020, which again, crazy year, right? In 2020, they found that depression and anxiety rose 25%. 25%. And out of the groups that experienced the highest increase, 20 to 24-year-olds were the ones. It's you guys. I found another um, study from Boston University. And what they found was in 2021, so about a year ago when they did the study, one in three Americans, 18 and older, so one in three American adults, have experienced depression. And now I know you guys are really good at math, but just to like visualize this real quick. If that's not you, if you're not sitting there and feeling like, hey, that's me, like, yes, I'm, I'm pressure, I'm tracking with you. If that's not you, then that means statistically the person to the left or right of you is struggling with depression. You see, the struggle bus is real. And we're all experiencing it. The struggle bus causes us, this, when our souls are in this place of weariness and tired and, and we don't, and they go unchecked. You see, they're, they're, we, we struggle and the, those things are externally seen and they're also unseen. And sometimes those things aren't even our fault, right? Like who, would, who could predict COVID coming and a global pandemic shutting down everything and experience isolation, all the stuff that came with that. Like no one could predict that. And no one did that. No one, you did not do that to yourself, Right? But there are things that we do to ourselves that cause us to ride the struggle bus. But, but, we, but the problem is, the problem is this, is, is we all want a soul. 
If I sat across from you right now, we could have a conversation about this. And if I asked you, hey, do you want a soul that's defined by being stressed out and burnout, timed out, that causes you to want to check out? You would say no. Like you want a soul that's full. We all want a soul that is full. We all want a soul that's full of love and joy and peace. Yet we're on the struggle bus. Man, it's just out of reach. You see, there, there's always another class that's coming down the pipe. You know, there's always uh, another breakup that's going to happen. There's always another, uh, the calendar continues to get full. The to-do list, you, you check everything off, but then it just fills right back up. There's expectations that you feel like you have to live up to, whoever put those on you. There's always going to be another tragedy that happens, whether that's really personal or whether that's on a global, national scale. There's always these goals that we're trying to live up to. And when we live on the struggle bus and we live out those things in our lives, the result is our soul becomes weary and burdened and empty. And we all want a soul that's full of love and joy and hope. So why does it, why does it feel like, wait, why does it feel like such a struggle? Why does it feel like such a struggle when we go throughout our entire days? Well, um, I, there, there's a cool uh, part in the Bible um, that we're going to look at today. It's a conversation that Jesus had. And we're going to be, um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John 15. Um, John 15. And John is one of the four gospels that we have in the Bible. And basically what the, what the gospel is is this. It's, a, it's a, almost like a biography of the life of of Jesus that was accounted for. And so we're gonna be in the Gospel of John. Um, if you get to uh, Luke, keep going. If you get to uh, Acts, Romans, whatever, flip back a couple pages, you'll, you'll find it. But we're gonna be in John um, chapter 15. But to set it up real quick, um, basically Jesus in this moment is having a conversation with his disciples. He's having a conversation with his friends. And he, he's, he, they're eating dinner, and it's actually the last dinner that Jesus has with his disciples before he's crucified. And so uh, he, sends us some, he says some really important things that not only apply to the disciples back then, but I think really do apply to us right now, specifically concerning this idea of the struggle bus. So let's check it out in John 15, 1. He says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, we're going to pause here because you're like, you set up the whole thing of struggle bus and now we're talking about gar plants? Like, yes. All right, we're going to talk about that, okay? So I don't know if Jesus was like, a, you know, had a green thumb or what, but basically what he's saying, he, Jesus here is trying to make a point. And the point is this. See, Jesus is talking to a Jewish audience. The, guy, the guys around him are Jewish. And as soon as he said this idea of the vine, they would have known exactly what he was talking about. And the reason why is this. Prior to Israel, or prior to Jesus um, arriving on the earth, the nation of Israel was known as a vine. Like they, they, that's sort of like, you know, illustration that they gave themselves, like imagery for themselves. Um, in fact, this is, there's some archaeological evidence of this. If this interests you, it interests me. Um, but uh, so this is like an ancient coin. Um, I don't think this was actually during Jesus' day. I think it was actually like, you know, a couple decades later, but, um, but yeah, anyways, you can sort of see, you can sort of see how this, uh, you can see the palm tree here, but then over here, you can sort of see this, the grapes, right, and this grapevine. So, so Israel sort of attached this idea of a vine to 
themselves. But the problem was this. The problem was this. Prior to Jesus, as Israel is considered the vine, they weren't a very good vine. They weren't a very good vine. You see, as God's chosen people, as God's chosen people, Israel was supposed to, uh, to bear fruit. Now, what does that mean as a nation? Well, they were supposed to, to do good in the world. They were supposed to be a good example. They were supposed to be an example of God to the nations around them. That was the fruit that they were supposed to bear. But the problem was, you can look back in the Old Testament and see this, but Israel did not do a very good job at that. In fact, every time they're mentioned as a vine in the Old Testament, it's usually in a negative light. They weren't a very good vine. So Jesus flips the script here. Jesus flipped the script. He said, no longer is Israel considered the, the, the vine. I am the vine. I am the true vine. And if you look back at that verse, you see that God, his father, is the gardener. He's the one that cares for the vine. So Jesus continues with this in John 15. He says this. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So Jesus extends the metaphor here. He extends the metaphor to to his disciples. He's basically saying, okay, if I'm the vine, if I'm the vine, the disciples, you are the branch. You are the branch. And the purpose of you is to bear fruit. So you have Jesus Disciples bear fruit with their lives. You have vine, branch, bear fruit. See, the purpose of the grapevine is to bear fruit, and Jesus is the source. Now, abide right here is sort of a weird word. We don't use this word very often. And it's really where I want to hone in tonight because I think this is so important when it comes to this idea of our souls being weary and downtrodden. And, and, but abide means this. Abide means to remain or to believe. And what Jesus is saying here is he's, he's asking us to continue to remain and trust and believe in him. He's asking us to place our dependence on him because ultimately he is the source of everything good in our lives. You see, when we place our trust in him, when we place our dependence in him, when we abide in him, the overflow of that is going to be fruit. Fruit like love, joy, and peace. He continues in verse five. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this verse, I love this verse, and I loved how I was going to be able to teach on this verse tonight because this verse is really um, encouraging for me. Because as we talked about earlier, and when we live life on the struggle bus, when we live a life that's burnout and stressed out, when we live a life um, of, of apathy, where we don't care anymore. When we live a life that we're, we're just going through the motions of and, and numbing our pain, numbing the struggle that we're going through, I want to tell you right now, that is not life. That is not bearing fruit. You see, fruit, 
fruit symbolizes life here because fruit was created by life and then fruit gives life. And when you think about riding the struggle bus and when you think about leaving your soul go unchecked, those things that it leads to don't end up being very life-giving, do they? You see, what, what happens is, is we're searching so much, we're searching for life that it causes us to strive for it. We try to work harder. We try to add stuff to our to-do list. We try to gain more acceptance somewhere else. And what that ends up doing is we, we end up living a life of, of survival. When we, when we, when we uh, rely on our own abilities, when we rely on our own strengths, our own wisdom, what that amounts to is ultimately nothing. We're just on this like hamster wheel. And, and I, can, I can understand what Jesus is talking to. He says, you can do nothing, right? Because I feel like I'm swimming. You feel like you're swimming against a raging current. You're not going anywhere. You're doing all this stuff. But ultimately it amounts to nothing. Yet, when I abide, when you abide, I think we can experience a life that's thriving. You see, when I abide in Jesus, when I remain in Jesus, when I put my trust and my hope and my full dependence on Jesus, when I understand that my identity is tied to nothing that I do, but in the fact of what Jesus has done for me, man, that ends up, that ends up leading to a place of fruit in my life, of love, joy, and peace. When I, when I put my trust and dependence on Jesus for all of my needs, when I remain obedient to what he tells me to do. And that's a life that's going to have fruit of love, joy, and peace. So here's what I want you to leave with tonight. If you want to thrive, learn to abide. If you want to thrive, learn to abide. You and I were made to bear fruit. We were, meant, we were created by life, and we were meant to give life. We were meant to experience life, and Jesus gives us how that can happen. You see, Jesus needs to be the source of that life because everything else is going to fall short. So when you learn how to abide, it's a weird word, weird word, right? And so I'm going to take the next few moments and hopefully give you some encouraging uh, things that maybe you can do, some practical steps for how you can learn how to abide in Jesus. So back to the vine illustration. Uh, back to the vine illustration. I think we got, um, come on, Thad. Yeah. Yeah, Thad. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you can clap for him. I don't care. Does anyone know what this is? What did you say? It's a grapevine. A grapevine holder. Sure, yeah. It's actually called a trellis. It's called a trellis. So this, this is a trellis, and, and I am not a gardener. I, I have killed way more plants than I have, uh, that have survived. But, um, but this is a trellis, and what a trellis does is it gives direction and support for a vine or for a plant. You see, without it, without it, can a grapevine grow? Yes, it can. A grapevine can just grow on the ground. Grapevine can just grow on the ground. But what happens when it's just growing on the ground, doesn't have direction or support, is it grows sporadically. It grows sporadically. It grows, it's more likely to get a disease when it's on the ground. It's more likely to die when it's growing on 
the ground. But a trellis provides direction and support for the vine to grow and produce fruit. And if you want to abide in Christ, you need a trellis. If you want to abide in Christ, if you want the fruit of your life to be ones of love, joy, and peace, you need something that's going to give you direction and support. You see, I, I don't want you personally, I, and Jesus definitely doesn't, he does not, we don't want your life to be defined by surviving on the struggle bus. No, we want, I want you to live a life that's thriving in a relationship with Jesus. So the three ways that you can abide, and feel free to write these down. The three ways, the first one is this, is time in scripture. And I know you're probably like, cool, like you told me to read my Bible, awesome. Yes, that is what I'm telling you to do, but here's what you do. I wanna make it sound, I, I, hope, I hope I can break down maybe some walls of when you've been told that and you're like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like that's the whole church thing, read my Bible. No, I hope I can make it sound a little bit more important than that. Because what is in these pages? What is in these pages, what these words signify is the character of God. In this book, this is the blueprint to get to know who God is. And I get it. It's big. There's lots of words in it. There's no pictures, unfortunately. Maybe there's some of your Bibles. I don't know. It's hard to start. Like, where do you begin? It's hard to understand. And here's the deal. What I found I'm 32 years old, and I still struggle to get through this. I still struggle to figure out what it's saying. And it's going to take a lifetime for me. It's going to take a lifetime for you to actually discover who God is. But what I can tell you is this, is when you choose to abide in these words, you're going to get to know who God is. And part of abiding is being in a relationship. God desperately wants to have a relationship with you. And the best way to get to know God is by abiding in scripture by having time in scripture because as you unpack these words what you'll see is you'll see a story at play you'll see a story about a God who desires a relationship with you and every time he makes the first move second thing to abide is this be in prayer now again you're probably like cool you told me to read my Bible, now it's telling me to pray. All right, guys, I feel like this is probably the thing we miss the most. We have no idea what prayer can do. We have no idea. And, and, and I don't know what you think about when you think about prayer, but I wanna encourage you with this. I, when it comes to being in prayer, what that means is, is I don't think you, it, need, it needs to be complicated. I, I think God just wants you to be real. I think God wants to hear from you. Um, you guys saw a picture of my daughter earlier, Skylar. And one of the things that I love about my little girl right now, she's four years old, is I love any conversation I get to have with her. Whether we're walking down, walking in the neighborhood, um, you know, she's telling me what she's seeing, or we're in the car today, like on the way to work. Um, her and I were playing I Spy. It was so much fun. But I, I love hearing her voice. I love talking to her. I love how she sees, I love seeing how she sees the world. I love how, seeing how she, like, she's processing how it all works. I love her intuition and I love her curiosity about things. It's just so fun to have these conversations with my little girl. 
I also, the thing I think I love most is I love when she asks for things, right? Like, hey, Daddy, can I have a cookie for breakfast? No. Are you crazy? No, you're not going to have a cookie for breakfast. But I love how she asks, right? And sometimes I'll respond to that, hey, maybe not for breakfast, but after dinner, right? Well, if I love hearing my daughter's voice that much, if I love talking to my daughter that much, imagine how much your Heavenly Father loves talking to you. Imagine that. It doesn't have to be complicated. He wants you to be real. But we can learn to abide in Jesus when we talk to him and when we hear his voice. The last one is this. Invest in community. Now this one's a little weird because it takes it sort of outside just you and your relationship with God. But um, what I want to encourage you with tonight is this. Is you were not made to do life or faith alone. You were meant to be in a community that you can be real and you can be authentic. And especially, especially when, when you're struggling, you need a group of people around you that are going to speak truth over you. For some of you, that community might look like a licensed therapist or, or a, counsel, a Christian counselor that you need to invite into your community to help support you in those times where you're struggling. That's one of the things I love about Woodstock City and, and TLR is, is we want to help you do that. And we have resources to help you take that next step. Because when life gets shaky, when you're on the struggle bus and you, you feel like you can't get off, when your soul is burdened and weary, one of the ways that we can abide is in community. We need that support. We can abide in Jesus together. Now, these three things right here, it's not a to, these aren't a to-do list. This isn't an exhaustive list. It's just, a, it's just a beginning. But I guarantee you, if you took some of these to heart and you begin to put some of these in practice in your life and you begin to abide and remain and believe in Jesus, you will see the fruit of love, joy, and peace begin to sprout in your life. You see, abiding in Christ just means on the other side of a yes to him, it's a relationship. It's about a relationship. And Jesus invites us to abide in him. Now I get it. Life is hard. And if I were to sit across from you and hear your story, I'm sure I would probably be heartbroken, honestly. And, and I would apologize even though I didn't, Hope I didn't do anything, you know, right? But like, I would just say sorry for that you've had to go through that. Because life is hard. Being on the struggle bus is hard, and it's a reality of life. But instead of living a life that's defined by being stressed out, burnt out, and timed out, instead of living a life where, where we just want to chill out in an unhealthy way, or we space out or check out, Imagine if you lived a life that was defined by fruit, by life, like love, joy, and peace. You see, I, I believe that if you're in the room tonight and you're struggling, here's what, here's what I, I believe with all of my heart, that while abiding in Jesus might not do away with the struggle immediately, it might not do the struggle at all. There's some things that you guys are walking through that I, I, that I have not walked through that are unbelievably difficult. And it's always going to be a struggle. But what I do know is this. 
even in struggling, there can be abiding. Even in struggling, there can be abiding. Even in struggling, you can experience love, joy, and peace. In the midst of your struggle, Jesus, he wants to walk with you. Let's pray together. Lord, this can be a hard conversation because it brings up some of those things in our soul that are maybe we haven't dealt with or just pushing away. But God, I pray tonight, I pray tonight that these students and myself would have the courage to come before you, lay that on the table and say, God, we just want to abide in you. God, even even in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of difficult circumstances, Lord, would you give us the ability to experience love, joy, and peace through Jesus. So Lord, right now, I just pray that over these students, God, I pray for the student right now who, this might be new to them, and they've been riding on the struggle bus for um, as long as they can remember, and they feel like there's no way out. Lord, I pray right now that they would experience you in this moment and experience the fact that you are inviting them to abide in you. Lord, thank you for this truth. Thank you for this hope. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.